Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 396 of Geek Town Radio. I'm your host, Dave, and with me this week is... To infinity and beyond! Matt, how are you doing? I'm very good, David. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. So, what have you been up to recently? Quite a few different shows which I'm making my way through. Some new, some slightly older. Which one should I start off with? War of the Worlds. I haven't talked about that for a while. Um, I think this is one of those June shows from last year when we had yeah. like loads and loads of stuff. Um, about episode three or four into it, uh, three or four episodes into it, this is the third season, which I don't know if it is or isn't the last season, but it's the newest one that we've got. Uh, something very different this season because obviously of what happened at the end of the last one and uh, yeah it's still got that good like War of the Worlds thing going on it's just very very different because of what's happened with the timeline and things like that but I've still uh, very much sort of been enjoying that I remember you said last week that it was sort of similar to um, Invasion which yes. is another show I've been enjoying as well so um, yeah similar kind of things going on I suppose but that's over on Disney Plus War of the Worlds I'm assuming you've seen the third season I, I actually haven't i oh, okay. i it's one of those ones that came out whilst i was away i think and there are a few things that i missed when they came out because there was lots of other stuff going on and uh i hadn't remembered to go back and watch it so uh, i need to go and pick that up it is on my list of things that i need to look at i don't think it has been renewed or cancelled at the moment for a fourth season so that's what i seem to find yeah it may be coming back it may not be i honestly don't know and the problem problem is with the strikes going on things that have been even renewed are getting canned it depends what the contracts are and all that sort of stuff so just don't know at the moment um although it's a weird one because it, it's not american made it is made by the fox group and studio canal and urban myth films are involved so it's sort of a bit French, a bit American, a bit English, I think, because, yeah, there's there's all sorts of people involved in it. So the strike may not actually necessarily affect it. It may just be the fact that it's got a lot of people involved behind it and that sometimes takes longer to actually uh, pick up. Mm. The only issue with this might be the fact that the whole thing is written by Howard Overman, who is the guy that came up with the concept for the TV show, and he may be on strike because he's probably part of the US Writers Guild. Uh-huh. I don't know that for a fact, but there is a possibility possibility that he's on strike so i don't know we'll have to wait and see whether it gets renewed 
or not. Yeah, um, yeah. But it may take a while. Yeah, so lots of elements at play. Plus, I don't know what happens at the end of the season, especially considering the whole timeline thing that's that's going on. But it's still yeah. been very good, which is the main point. Uh, Handmaid's Tale, which we've uh, talked about before. I'm about halfway through whatever the newest, I've lost count, whatever the newest, see, uh, fifth season. Yeah. Something weird happened when I was watching one of the episodes. So I got to the end of episode four and let episode five load, and then I watched it later. I went back and watched it, and it took me 10, 15 or so minutes to realize because I thought there were some flashbacks happening. It had loaded season five, episode one. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to check the episode list, and I've ne- this has never happened before. When I, I mean, we've watched a lot of stuff on streaming. I've never seen this happen before. It had whatever the last episode of season four was. Then it had season five, episode four in between. Then it had season five, episode one. It had, <laughs> it had them in like the wrong order. I, I've never seen it listed like that before. Almost as if when I got to the end of episode four, that shifted itself to the end of the the last season Strange. and that that put itself in line for 501 and then when i looked at 503 to 505 those were next to each other yeah so. is this um prime video is this <laughs> yeah the- it was on prime yeah, yeah. yeah. prime is the only one of the streaming services that i've ever had issues where things have been lifted and they're not available or an episode goes up and it's linked to the wrong thing or they're the only mm. place which seems to have a real problem with that i mean it's odd i mean and it is fairly rare that it does happen but it, whenever there is something weird that happens like that it's always prime that is the one that's caused the problem usually so uh, yeah but no, that was very strange but anyway i got back on track for 505 it's interesting the way they're starting to talk about gilead because i remember we mentioned in the description for the spin-off that Gilead was sort of still around and they've started talking about that in like at the, at the point in the season that I'm at so I'm very interested to see where that goes one of the problems I've had with Hamay's Tell in the past and has happened almost in every season sometimes it will get a little too self-indulgent and it will get a bit too stuck mm-hmm. in where it is and it's and it sort of okay I get that it's emotional and powerful for the reasons that it is but sometimes it just gets a bit too stuck in telling that sort of story. And I get mm-hmm. it. Okay, June's been through loads of stuff. So are these women. You understand that from the pilot episode or from the concept of the show. So when it gets itself out of doing that and actually pushes the story forward, it's a lot better, which I I, I found in the last two episodes, it did that a bit more. So, yeah. yeah. There's a certain amount of sort of, I think you refer to as navel gazing in certain points of that, of, of where it yeah. sort of treads water and you're willing it to kind of move and push forward and it doesn't and i know what you mean by that and it makes it a bit of a more of a slog than maybe it should be i know what the next season is going to be the final season and i i'm kind of glad that they're bringing it to that point you know it's been generally a pretty good show throughout apart from being a little bit slow in places generally it's been a good show the acting's good you know the cinematography and all that sort of stuff it's a decent quality show but sometimes the plotting can be a bit plodding and I think they're at a point where you sort of need to wrap it up but as I said before the problem with this is we know they're doing a spin-off and the spin-off still has Gilead in it and it's set after this so that sort of makes me wonder how you're going to come to a satisfactory conclusion at the end of this story if they Mm. are going to then do 
a spin-off that still has Gilead in it. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But uh, no, it's still been good anyway, despite its couple of issues. Uh, Heartstopper, I finally got to the first two episodes of season two. Uh, we know it's been renewed for season three because they yes. they, they posted a photo of like the script or something like that for, for season three. It was one of them kind of settling in things where I, I remembered what happened at the end of the last season. The one thing I couldn't quite remember, and this is to do with the way the show is, I couldn't remember who identified as what, who was with who, <laughs> who had a crush on who, and whose exes with who, and that sort of like teenage stuff. Yeah. That was, but it, it was fine. I worked it out, obviously, eventually. And then there was this bit, because one of them wanted to get back into the rugby team, and someone else said, but didn't you leave that because you had a problem with that? And I was like, wait a minute, what was the problem with the rugby team? <laughs> and then the, the bully character came back in. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you and everything that you did. Sometimes when we have these streaming shows and they're off for like a year or a year and a half, and you settle back in for an episode one of a season, you just got to sort of remind yourself where everybody is yeah. and all that. But uh, it's still really, really good, really sort of cutely written and, and things like that. One thing I'd forgotten about as well that the show does, because it's based off like a graphic web novel or something like yes. that. It's got these little um, animated bits, like when um, Charlie and uh, I've forgotten the name, main character's name, the main two, when they're like holding hands or something, there'll be like electric little sparks on screen or you know, it's little things like that. And I, I'd, I'd totally forgotten that they did that. But these first two episodes are really, really good dealing with the end of last season. And like, I don't want to spoil it, obviously, everybody finding out what's going on there or trying to find out and those sorts of things. It's also been a little bit of time since I've seen because I used to kind of enjoy some of those like high school teenage drama stuff and there hasn't been as many of them that have been good obviously Riverdale turned into Riverdale High School Musical really dropped off in the last season that's got a new season as well so it was good to get back to one that was really well written because the last one I remember watching aside from the previous season of this was probably like the end of Love Victor which was about a year ago or so mm -hmm. so it was good to step back into that and I'll be enjoying the uh, rest of that season have you ever seen that before? I haven't no it's not one I've picked up. I know it's got a huge following and seems to be a, a very well put together show from everything I've seen. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of love out there for that series, which is great. And I'm glad it's been doing so well for them. I think one of the great things about it as well is I think the person that's actually writing the TV show is the person that was behind the original comics as well, I seem to remember. Okay. So it's obviously something that's very close to the heart of the person that created it, which I think shows across in the screen from all the stuff I've read about it. So they, they've done a really wonderful job with it and it seems to be going down very, very well. So I may go and pick it up at some point. It's just I'm way behind on things. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought I'd save the best or last. Not that these are any worse, but the, this is just a standout this week. Foundation. Yes. Um, yeah, can't say like too much in detail because there's some very big spoilery stuff going on yeah. in this show. But this is one of them points where a show that's already really knocking out the park decides to knock it out of the park even further yeah. and just completely go for it. And I was reading online and everybody else seems to be very impressed and shocked and very angry at one particular character. Um, <laughs> and there's a particular screenshot of one character's facial expression. See, I was kind of thinking, I'll, I'll try to be as, as vague as I possibly can when describing this, because stakes in a show like this are very, very important, especially when you've got wars and things going on. 
they'd had a few characters in let's say the three or so episodes before that had been in danger Mm -hmm. and i kind of thought you know when you can feel that a show's getting to that point where it's thinking okay we threatened a few characters we're gonna do it again raise the stakes 10 times bigger than somehow even what it was before and now we sort of have to kill somebody. And I'm not going to say, obviously, what happened. And it feels like it, it, it got itself to that point. And it was like, okay, you kind of... Because sometimes a show can back down from killing a character. And sometimes it can feel cheap and sort of, oh, you faked out and, and that sort of thing. And sometimes it can feel like a relief and like it's earned. But yeah, it uh, it went for it in the ways that it went for it is is what I'll say. And I messaged you after and I was like, oh my, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what's interesting about that is... This is episode nine. There's still the, there's still somehow a big finale to yes. come, even though that felt like a massive finale. Yes, uh, there's still episode ten to arrive, and not not even just what that bit that happened in the episode. Everything like before it, and everything that was building up to it, and some of the stories that were going on were really incredible. And it felt like it was building to a moment like that, particularly in episodes say seven and eight. Mm-hmm. It was getting to just like a really big point. It just continues to be excellent. What do you think of the foundation? Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's been knocking it out of the park for a while. It is a absolutely phenomenal, full-blown sci-fi series, this show. If you like sci-fi and you like sci-fi, which is intelligent and you have to concentrate on and incredibly well-written, this is, is just out of this world, beautifully shot and incredibly well done. The ninth episode, for anything else, would have been a series finale and they've still got another episode to go. So, I mean, God knows what they're going to do for the final episode. But, I mean, there's been some massive revelations across this season from who characters are and how they fit together. And that's been quite interesting in how they've managed to take all the ideas from the source material. Because I think the source material is sort of a disconnected set of novels. It's not written in the same way of the same sort of full narrative in the way that this is. So what they've done for the TV show is sort of taken bits from all over the place and sort of strung it together into a narrative that works because it was one of those things that a lot of people said, I think was unfilmable and they've managed to find a way of pulling it together and for it to make sense. And it does. I mean, given the fact that it, it spans a huge amount of time, which is incredibly difficult to do, you've got characters that are popping up for periods of time and then disappearing and people coming back and i mean it's just incredibly well put together that episode this week was really was a standout episode it, it, you know with everything that happened and as you say it's been building to it for a while but just phenomenal definitely looking forward to seeing how they do the finale uh the david s goyer is one of the people behind it he also writes the um call of duty games do you know which call of duty games black ops and black ops 2 and cold war that makes a lot of sense yeah he did have some involvement in writing things like man of steel as well uh i mean he has been a bit hit and miss he wrote the story for dark knight he did also write man of steel he wrote batman v superman but he did write batman begins as well so you know he's one of those things that you can't necessarily blame the entire story for for that but and the other person involved is the wonderful jay nepson who is a ex-buffy writer that's where she sort of starts and she's written for game of thrones torchwood jessica jones she is the exec producer on the nevers who took over off whedon after whedon was removed but she's basically she's a buffy alumna she she was heavily involved in a lot of the buffy stuff they're great those two it's a phenomenal phenomenal show it's one of them top of the shelf sort of shows that 
like I know this is a cliche standard thing to say but if you're not watching this you are just missing out on just one of the best things around <laughs> so I know we say that about a few shows but still but uh, what have you been up to David I hear there's a new game that's come out <laughs> yes well you did talk about this last week as well but no other game exists other than Starfield I mean particularly if you look at gaming press I mean I don't know whether anybody's had the guts to actually try and release anything else at the moment because Starfield is dominating so much all over the place and I think deservedly so I mean I talked about this last week and I was like okay there are issues with this there are issues with that but overall it is a solid well put together game the more you play with it the more it really grows on you and I am 75 hours in at this point still nowhere near finishing the main quest line because it's like all those Bethesda games you get sidetracked you happen to bump into somebody in a city and they go oh can you just do this for me and suddenly that little thing will end up opening a five-hour quest line that you weren't expecting to start. There is stuff just all over the place. And part of the thing that you spend half your time doing is messing around with building ships. That alone, I know people have said, I've spent hours and hours just reconfiguring ship modules to uh, make a ship which I'm really happy and proud of. And that's the thing. With the ships, they are sort of your floating home base. So they are sort of important but at the end of the day what you need is something that you're going to be able to fly around and not get blown up in more than anything else because there is some space combat in this there's a lot of walking around talking to npcs uh, everything is voiced really well there are planets all over the place to visit there are some of them procedurally generated some of them i've actually got set cities which are are being properly crafted. I've just stumbled across a very Bethesda quest, but there is a planet that you land on that is populated by a group of very, very unexpected people from history. That's basically the starting point. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) How's how's this? But it's, it's such a very Bethesda style quest the sort of thing that you expect to find in something like fallout it's got that weird sort of odd quirky off the wall idea and humor to it so there is that sort of stuff in there you can pick up cargo missions and just run sorts of things backwards and forward you can be a pirate you can choose which factions you want to join uh you can join multiple factions you can help out law enforcement you can go and be a bounty hunter there is all sorts of things you could do with this game it's enormous and amazing amounts of fun i'm 75 hours in and i don't think i've even scratched the surface of half the stuff that is in this game (laughs) so it's something that will keep you going for a very very long time it is on game pass as well so if you've got xbox and it's fairly large certainly the pc version is about 80 gig i think (laughs) so as long as you've got space on a hard drive for it i guess but it was well well worth downloading and if you've ever played any of the other bethesda games if you played skyrim if you've played fallout it's very much going to be up your street it's really 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 good fun completely recommend it 
you've not picked this up yet, have you? No, I mucked up my um, boomerang list is the best way to describe that. But I am playing uh, Jedi Survivor at the moment. So I'm just going to finish that off while I'm waiting to be sent to uh, Starfield. And another good so, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is another good game. Nowhere near the size of Starfield, but yes, it is a, <laughs> it, it is a good game. <laughs> TV and movie side of things, I have actually seen, well, one film I saw a few weeks ago and forgot to mention it, and the other one I actually watched this week, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I had seen the first one, which was what, Enter the Spider-Verse? The f- into the, into, into yeah. the Spider-Verse. In, into Across and then Beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I had seen Into the Spider-Verse probably just after it came out, but I was sort of half watching it. I was at a friend's house at the time and he was on his crappy little TV. And so I I, <laughs> I wasn't really kind of paying that much attention to it. So I thought, well, Into the Spider-Verse is actually on Netflix. So I thought I'll go and re-watch that. And Across the Spider-Verse is now out on home release. So I sort of watched the two of them back to back. They are brilliant, both of them. The second one is very much a straight continuation of the first, but it's just the artwork, the styling of it is so beautifully done. And the story is just wonderful. It's really well structured together. I love the fact that you're mixing cartoon characters with animated characters with a few bits of live action things. There's the art styles from character to character are blended together in in a way that is odd but works. It's just phenomenal, those pairs of films. Um, I mean, I know you're a huge Spider-Man fan. You've seen all of these. What were your thoughts? I remember liking the first one, but not quite. Under- I think I need to go and rewatch the first one, but it has that was 2018. So yeah, I caught one of the last local viewings about a month or so ago for Across the Spider-Verse, and I absolutely loved it. Not to put the first one down, but the second one, I think, is just a major upgrade. And it's one of them ones as well, considering how long the film is, how many characters there is, there's so yeah. much going on. It handles it all just brilliantly and that's a very difficult thing to do it was absolutely brilliant the second one and i'm very glad i saw it on the big screen i don't know that that's one i would have wanted to watch at home or something so yeah i mean i I watch both of them at home and it does work perfectly well if you've got a reasonable Mm. tv they are well worth watching both of them and i just love the way that it refers back to the comics so much and the way that they introduce the characters you get the sort of background of it i think it's it's just very cleverly structured and the writing's smart and it's fast and it's a really really solid pair of movies those so yeah i'm glad i'm seeing the second one the other film which i actually watched a few weeks ago and then forgot to mention it on here uh indiana jones and the dial of destiny which is the final indiana jones film i mean i know it got some criticism but I really rather enjoyed it. I thought it was a solid enough film, certainly after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which was not a good film. Um, Is that the fourth one? That's the fourth one. Um, Yeah, Dial of Destiny, I thought, was a really good adventure. The way that they've used the technology in it, I think, is is great because it starts off in 1944 with Indy fighting Nazis again, and they've de-aged Harrison Ford for those shots. That works really, really well. You know, there's a, a, a slight bit of sort of uncanny valley going on in little places, but generally you don't really notice it too much. And that's a proper solid sort of indie opening to that. The jokes are great throughout. There's some interesting little callbacks. You have a few characters that you know pop up from previous things. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is quite a good addition to this as well. Mads Mikkelsen playing a great villain in this. 
I mean, overall, the story is Indy going after a widget on one final mission. It's essentially the setup for it without going into the major details of the plot. But I think it's constructed really, really well. And if you're a fan of those early indie movies, I think this definitely recaptures a lot of that. I think they've done a perfectly good send-off for him. Written by Jez Butterworth, directed by James Mangold. It's the first one that's not had involvement from Lucas or Spielberg, but it works and it feels very much like an Indiana Jones movie to me. So uh, I, yeah, I would recommend it. I actually think it was really good. TV wise, Lower Deck season four, that's returned and great opening episode, which involves Voyager, which is hilarious and funny. It pokes fun at some of the ridiculousness of some of the things that went on at Voyager, but does it in a really loving way. And uh, I I love that opening episode. It's great. I've seen a few more episodes of that season and it continues to be wonderful. As I mentioned last week, there are promotions involved for some of the people. So I also like the fact that they are not doing a sort of Simpsons-esque, everybody stays the same from episode to episode. They are advancing the characters as it goes through. I really like that. Dead to Me, season three, I finally got around to picking up. This was another one that I kind of was looking through Netflix and went, oh yeah, I haven't watched that yet. Mm. Uh, so uh, I picked that up. I'm only a couple of episodes into that. I'm sort of slowly watching. My oh, I was going to ask what you thought of the ending. No, but... I hadn't got to the ending yet. So yeah. uh, I'm only a couple of episodes in so far. So I'm, I'm working my way through that. The other thing this week was it was Insomnia Gaming Festival over at NEC in Birmingham. So I popped over there for the day to take a look at what was going on over there. Insomnia is great if you like indie games. There are not that many premium titles at that show. Like they did have a big PlayStation stand that was showing Tekken, whatever the latest one is. But that was probably the only kind of AAA game title that I actually saw there. Everything else is basically indie games because a lot of the focus for Insomnia is actually this big LAN party that they have and esports. And that's sort of half that festival to the point where I think they actually sell them as separate tickets, but they run together. Some really good stuff in terms of the indie games. I stopped by my pals over at Duck Race. Uh, Duck Race, if you've not seen it, is a game designed for Twitch streamers. They're lovely, the people that run it. And it is pretty much what it says on the tin. It's a variety of duck races. They have little plastic ducks and you put them in a water. The people on the Twitch stream pick their ducks and they have cute little hats on and you can pick what hat you want and stuff. You drop them in the water and then you have a competition to see whose duck wins and gets to the end of the stream. The thing that they were actually showing when I was on the stand was uh, actually a sort of last man standing thing where they had a bathtub which has things that will sort of throw you out of the tub or there's like a whirlpool that you can get stuck in and sinks your duck. Basically they just float around in that and either get thrown out of the tub by one of these kind of scoop things or you get stuck in the whirlpool and it was the last duck standing in the bathtub. It's just a fun little game that you can get for Twitch streamers but it's great it's lovely it's a great way of engaging with your twitch audience that's one of the things that i stopped by and i had spent a bit of time on their stream because they were streaming that live as well so i was chatting with them on that stopped by lucy dreaming as well which is a a monkey island style point and click adventure game it's beautifully done he only had a demo with him when i last saw him last year the full game is now out on stream it's called lucy dreaming it's very much got that monkey island style humor to it it's a 
proper sort of pixel art point and click adventure game really really nice artwork and a very nicely put together story i think it's 14.99 on steam if you want to go and check that out but worth going to pick that up there was another game called shim which is a 3d platformer it's very very interesting and um inventive and very different the art style is sort of line art kind of feel to it with hints of color it looks really really beautiful and starts off your sh- the shadow of this little boy and the tutorial is basically you following the little boy around and learning how to move as his shadow because you sometimes get left slightly behind and you have to jump into the shadows of other things to catch up with him that's the main gameplay mechanic and it starts off with this story of this little boy and then as you go through the tutorial the kid grows up when you see him go to school you see him get his heart broken by his first love and this is just the sort of opening bit and you see him go off to college and start work and all that sort of thing and that takes you sort of through the tutorial as you're learning how to jump from shadow to shadow and then when you start the game you get completely disconnected from your character and you are just the shadow on your own and you are basically trying to get back to the person you're supposed to be attached with you know you see him sort of wander off at the end of the level and then you've got to kind of jump through shadows of trees and then there's cars that go past but obviously they're moving shadows so that makes it more difficult to sort of jump into them and jump out of them there are people on bikes or people walking around so you've got to jump across from shadow to shadow to trying to make it to the point where you last saw them it's really nice little puzzle game it's beautifully put together you can go and wishlist it on steam but uh, it's not actually released yet it's called shim which is s-c-h-i-m if you want to go and check that out on steam it is worth going to take a look at because it's a really interesting little platform the other one i wanted to highlight was one called steam world build which is a city builder but what's really interesting about it is it, it looks like a standard city builder it's got these cute little robots and it's the usual thing of you know you build houses it works on an anon sort of system where you upgraded the houses to get a different level of worker so you've got workers and then you've got sort of inventors and then there's something else after that you need certain types of workers to be able to operate certain types of machinery so you're sort of doing all that but once you set up the initial little bit of a town there's a mine that opens up and then you have this secondary level which is a mine level where you got to send your workers to knock out blocks and clear out paths and stuff so there's a a sort of above ground below ground thing going on with it i really rather like that because it was sort of unexpected and gives an extra dimension to it that is out i think december 1st so you can go and wish list that on steam as well but it's called steam world build and uh, it was an excellent little city builder and sort of different to other stuff that's out there i'm assuming you've not come across any of these games so far no the shadow thing sounds kind of interesting though yeah i have to say that that was the most interesting and different one for me i had a long chat with the developer for that and really lovely guy and it is one of these things that is a very very small team that are working on it and um not sure exactly when that's coming out but you can go and uh, wishlist that on steam it's called shim s-c-h-i-m if you want to go and check that one out so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We kick off the TV and film news with renewals, cancellations and pickups. There aren't that many renewals or cancellations this week, which not surprising given everything that's going on. But one cancellation which came out is uh, Starstruck, not the BBC show before everybody panics. It is the uh, ITV talent show. Uh, <laughs> that, that It's a sort of updated version of Stars in Their Eyes, basically, from what I can gather. I've never actually seen it, but uh, they've cancelled that after two seasons. So that's gone. Over in the renewals, Mayor of Kingstown has been renewed for a season three at Paramount+. Plus. That's the Jeremy Renner series. I've not actually gone and looked at that yet, and it's one of those that I sort of feel like probably should because I quite like Jeremy Renner, so uh, mm. go and check that one out. In pickups and other news, there was interesting bits of Hollyoaks news, which I thought you might like. So from apparently Monday the 25th of September, Hollyoaks is no longer going to be broadcast daily on Channel 4. It'll instead premiere on YouTube the day before it airs on E4. And then the omnibus will air on Channel 4. The idea being that the audience for the show is mainly a young audience and most of them stream it anyway. That's basically what they've decided that they're going to do. Yeah, there was all these headlines going around of like Channel 4 has axed Hollyoaks as if the whole show is cancelled. Yeah, no. How this used to work well, still does and no longer will, I suppose. And it never made sense to me was you'd have, for an example, let's say you go to the Monday episode, you'd have the six. 630 Channel 4 episode, which would be the, quote, proper episode for that Monday. Then you'd have the 7 p.m. E4 first look episode. That first look episode would be the same one that airs the next day on Channel 4. Yeah. But it was almost treated like this exclusive kind of fancy thing. Like, oh, you, you can watch the next day's episode on E4. It's like, okay, we'll do that then. Because <laughs> you don't pay for it or anything. No. As opposed to, let's say, you know, like with um, AMC and The Walking Dead, it's like, oh, if you pay for AMC Plus, you get the next week's episode a whole week early and you pay for that. That's much more early access as opposed to a free airing of a show you get the day before. Because yeah. then what people did was treated it as like, okay, the E4 Monday episode is just the E4 Monday episode. There'll be things where like a character will say, oh, I'm going for this such and such thing the next day and maybe the date will be different because they use it in real time for the dates and stuff. What I think has possibly happened now, I haven't looked at numbers for ages. I used to look at them, but I haven't looked at them for a while. My guess would be because everybody watched it on E4 or the streaming service, there wouldn't be much reason for the audience to watch on Channel 4. Well, yeah. Because that episode, by, by the time it goes out or even the time before that at the moment, that episode's already on all four. So you don't need to wait for that 6.30 slot. So I'm right, guessing yeah. that, that that just sort of lost its purpose. And it's been like that for a long time. In fact, I'm surprised it's taken this long for them to sort of do that because I'm what I'm guessing happened is that episode started getting or well, that slot started getting maybe viewed less because it's you've got the two options of the E4 airing or the awful one which is that's where I go and watch it because it just stores my next episode and I just watch it that way mm -hmm. then the the channel 4 airing would be obsolete to, yeah. to viewers so I'm guessing that that just sort of dwindled and they they did it that way yeah. but that's like one of the only shows I've seen that's got like this double airing of the next day because 
because okay if you're behind and you watch let's say the double episodes on 4 and E4 you don't need to do that the next day because if you do that the next day you'd watch the old episode from the day before and the new one so yeah it's interesting that they're going sort of with YouTube first by the lots of things yeah. you know they're trying to push people through that they've sort of done more and more little bits of kind of YouTube exclusive things but this is the first time they've actually put a soap on there as like that's where they're going to premiere it so yeah I mean it's just sort of a way of pushing more people to their YouTube channel just like they were doing previously with trying to push people I think to watching on E4 and it will also be available I would imagine on yeah, Channel 4 streaming as well which is no longer called All 4 it's called Channel 4 just to confuse everybody but yes I'm assuming it's still going to be up there as well mm. so that's what they're doing anyway so uh, you will be able to go and watch it first on YouTube if you want to go and watch it that way but that's from the uh, Monday the 25th of September they're doing mm. that they're doing a bit of like a shake up with it as well I think they've changed some executives or some of yeah. that for the show they so. have said that it's going to drop with a big huge storyline that week as well so yeah, yeah, I think we know which one that's going to be for as right, well. Right, fine, so. okay. So there's that anyway. There was a trailer drop for Gen V, the boys spin-off, which uh, that lands on the 29th of September on Prime Video. It's a red band trailer, so not one that you want to watch when you're around young children or maybe at work. Or uh, I don't know if there's any nudity in it, but there is sort of violence and swearing and stuff. That is out now, if you want to go and check out that trailer, it is on the website and you can go mm-hmm. and find it on YouTube and stuff. So this is based in the world of the boys. Is yes. it also based on a comic book? No, it's not. Okay, because uh, I, know the, I know the main show is. So Yeah, the main show is based on a comic book. This is a sort of spin-off from that, but I don't think there was ever a Gen V comic book. I think this is an invention huh. entirely for the TV show, as far as I'm aware. Set at a university for soups, run by Voight, though, as everything that sort of entails. Mm. But there seems to be some sort of thing going on at that university. It looks like it's going to be quite a fun and violent series. It has got some of the characters from the boys showing up, some of the other soups, I think A-Train is making an appearance and possibly the Deep makes an appearance as well. So there are a couple of that do show up in this. That is a trailer out now for that. And that comes on Friday, the 29th of September onto Prime Video. They've announced a premiere date for the Goosebumps series. That's coming Friday, the 13th of October onto Disney Plus UK and Disney Plus and Hulu in the USA. At least that seems to be the impression it's giving by the press release. I apologize if that doesn't turn up on that date, but that certainly seems to be what they're saying by the sound of it but that's the Goosebump series based on the R.L. Stein novels I, I am not really aware of them that all sort of bypassed me don't know whether they release after you know I was that sort of age but yes uh, that, that is coming there is a show called Lawman Bass Reeves that is landing on Paramount Plus that's on the 5th of November this is an anthology series it's from Tyler Sheridan the guy that's behind all the Yellowstone stuff it's got a pretty good cast involved with it and uh, the showrunner is the guy that worked on Ray Donovan and Banshee which were both great shows it's uh, about the most legendary lawman in the old west it follows the journey of Bass Reeves and his rise from enslavement to law enforcement as the first black US marshal of west of Mississippi mm-hmm. it's one of those things that will be a self-contained story for that season because the show is basically called Lawman and this first season is called Lawman Bass Reeves so there will be a second season it will be Lawman I don't know 
Wyatt Earp or something. It will be somebody else for the second season. Looks like it's going to be a pretty good and interesting show. It's got some good people behind it. But Sunday, the 5th of November, that is landing on Paramount Plus, if you want to go and check that out. There was a trailer as well for Monarch Legends of Monsters. That is the Apple TV Plus show that is based on the legendary Monsterverse, the sort of Godzilla King Kong thing. Uh, Friday, the 17th of November, that's premiering two episodes and there's a trailer up for that as well now. Have you seen any of these films? Because they've kind of bypassed me at least. I haven't and I would like to know if I need to to watch this. There's a lot of people really, really excited for this as well, which is good. But all these films just came out and I just kept not watching them for some reason. Yeah, Yeah. uh, so I mean, you know, there's Kong Skull Island, which I, I think I saw. That was the 2017 one. There's Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I didn't see. And then there was Godzilla versus Kong, which I haven't seen. And there is a new one coming up, which is uh, Godzilla times Kong, the new empire. I don't really know whether you need to have seen the films for this series to work. It does follow a battle between Godzilla and the Titans that apparently leveled San Francisco. So it is sort of following that. It's got Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell in the lead who are playing the same character but at different ages so uh, some of it takes place sort of in modern day right. and some of it's in the 1950s so that's how they've done it with the father and son playing the old and young version of of this army officer i am kind of interested in it but i do also want to know whether i do actually need to have seen the films for that to work but it's interesting that they are doing something of this scale with this sort of stuff in um, yeah, yeah. But that's coming on the 17th of November, and that's going to launch with two episodes on Apple TV+. Plus. We're getting to that point, are we, where the things that are ready to come back are about really about to come back. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've got Morning Show in a few weeks. We've got, well, not in a few weeks, I think that's this week. And there's already stuff coming out, and yeah, we're getting to that point of the year. Yeah, we are getting to that point. We are heading into September. There is, of course, a lot of stuff not coming back, which is one of the reasons why the US has picked up NCAS Sydney. I mean, it was always inevitable they were going to pick it up I think at some point but it's the only NCAS they're probably going to have this year that's going to be launching on November 13th on CBS in the USA it also is coming to Paramount Plus in some international markets what we can't actually confirm at the moment is whether that includes the UK or not it may do equally it may not but the only reason I can think it wouldn't come to the UK is if somebody else picks it up and they Mm. agree to sell it to somebody else we haven't got confirmation yet on if it is coming to the UK. We think it probably is, but we don't actually know for sure right now. But uh, NCI Sydney, strapline for it is with international tensions rising in the Indo-Pacific, a brilliant and eclectic team of US NCIS agents and their Australian Federal Police are grafted into a multinational task force to keep the naval crimes in check in the most contested patch of ocean in the planet. I mean, it is basically NCIS set in Sydney. As I seem to remember the showrunner for this I think was the showrunner from NCAS New Orleans who is Australian and I seem to remember when New Orleans finished he basically went well I want to go back home can we just make an NCAS from Sydney (laughs) (laughs) and that's sort of how it happened that will be another one to add to the franchise with the strike happening at the moment it's quite possible that is the only NCAS that we'll actually get this year and the others might not come back until September next year we don't know at the moment it very 
very much depends on what happens on the strike side of things. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the strike, uh, obviously we have some updates on that front. Negotiations are still pretty much at a standstill at the moment. Uh, it's interesting because one of the things that we talked about, which I'd seen somebody kind of mention on Twitter and we mentioned last week, seems to be where the Writers Guild side of things are actually suggesting now. The WGA negotiating team told members on Friday that behind the scenes conversations with individual legacy studio executives amid the strike had shown a desire and willingness to negotiate an agreement that adequately addresses writers' issues. Those same executives and others have said they are willing to negotiate on proposals that the AMPTP, which is the organisation that represents the Hollywood studios, has presented to the public as deal breakers. On every issue we are asking for, we've had at least one legacy studio executive tell us they could accommodate us. Legacy studios in this case is what they're talking about are CBS, NBC, Fox, WB, all those guys. So the networks, basically. She then goes on to float the idea that those legacy studios could break off negotiations from this conglomerate that are negotiating on behalf of the Hollywood side of things and cut out your sort of Netflix, Amazon, Disney, Apple, the streaming side of Warner Brothers and negotiate their own deals directly. So if you're NBC, you could go directly to the Writers Guild and say, look, let's come to a deal and get our shows back on air. And if you're CBS, you could do the same. So it means that you could get production started on things like, you know, your Chicago's and your NCISs and all that sort of stuff, you could potentially get those moving again. It's interesting that they're actually officially sort of saying, well, you know, we are prepared to do that. And and some of the executives seem to have said they do that. Now, I mean... Obviously, the AMPTP people have strongly denied that, you know, and saying that they are united on their side. But I mean, if I was one of the networks, I would be looking to negotiate directly with the writers if I'm prepared to sort of give them what they want, because one of the big issues is the residual side of things for streaming services. So if you're a standard legacy studio, there's no reason why you can't go and talk to the writers directly and just sort of say, look, you know, we can't do anything about the streaming stuff because it's got nothing to do with us, but we will give you what you want for you to come back to work on our network shows. And that at least will get some things moving. It's going to be an interesting one to see whether that does crack or not. Mm. It's interesting what you and Robert said last week, something I hadn't quite thought about, but makes sense is the sort of longer term plan from the studios for this because Robert brought up about like sneakily getting rid of shows that you don't want which sort of makes some sense it depends what the show is and that but also this idea of like if you do that manage to get rid of some stuff or you delay a few things and we get to a point where either some shows have like cut down 13 episode seasons or no season at all because you haven't been able to write or shoot it or whatever what content will you have Mm -hmm. it's almost a bit of a like half glazer tactic and what I mean by that I know these are two very different things instead of worrying about how do we gain more money it's about how do we avoid spending it Mm -hmm. because there's been an argument from not just May United fans but other people like okay if you put more money into this club and make it better post the whole Alex Ferguson era have more of a chance of getting trophies thus getting more money from those trophies and making more money Instead of doing that, if you just refuse to put any money in, you're not losing any, which is 
I know the different things because obviously the football keeps going, but in this case, the shows don't keep going. So I know those are two different things. It almost strikes me as this kind of, okay, even if we sort of start running out of shows, we still aren't putting more money in. So that's kind of, it's not a sensible thing to do at all. No. But from that point of view, it doesn't make sense, but it kind of half does from a greed standpoint of, okay, we are paying these people a certain amount of money. They want more. But if we keep refusing for a long enough time, we're going to suffer a little bit in the long run, but in the short term run, you're not putting more money in, which is the main point I'm trying to sort of get at here. It doesn't make much sense and it's a bit silly, but these are from, I call them people in suits that don't really understand certain things. Yeah, so. no, I mean, a lot of that, as Robert mentioned, I think there are certain companies that are using this as an excuse to get rid of shows that they may have previously renewed and are now reversing those renewals. We've seen a few of those. There are shows which are getting dumped. They're using the strikers cover. But ultimately, as I said last week, I don't see where the plan is because you only have a network or a streaming service if you have content to put on it. And if the people that Mm -hmm. are making that content are not making more content for you, what do you do? I I don't see the logic in it. Mm. And certainly if you're looking to make decent quality stuff as well, I mean, there is an opportunity for somebody like Apple or like Prime that have more money than a small country to step forward and say, okay, we'll give you everything you want and we'll make the streaming work in the way that you want it to work and give very favorable terms. There is an opportunity there to steal all the best people. (laughs) <laughs> you know, because people are going to flock to you to go, okay, great. You know, yeah, we know we're going to get fe- treated yeah. fairly and ethically. If we know that we're going to get treated well, there's a way of absolutely destroying somebody like Netflix who is fighting very hard against this. There is a way of bolstering that if you are prepared to come forward and say, okay, we can give you what you want. As to say, we don't know where this is going to end. Or, or when. Or when either. At, yeah. at this point. How long has it been? Is it like three months or something? June or July, when the writers first went on strike, slightly less for the actors. But I mean, this is, of course, we're still only talking about the writers at this point. There's been no negotiations with the actors because there is no point in negotiating with the actors until the writers side of things is sorted because you need to sort that first before you can go to the actors and whatever Mm. deal the writers get that's likely to impact what the actors get afterwards but there's no point in negotiating the actors to come back if there's no scripts for them so so, you know you've got to sort the writing out first one of the upshots of this is some of those studios like warner brothers have suspended a number of they they had overall deals in place with some of their high profile producers so warner brothers in this case had overall deals with greg belanti jj abrams and mindy kaling they've actually suspended those deals. And what that basically means is the studio who was paying for either studio space for these people or staff or support staff, you know, that sort of stuff for them to run and be based at Warner Brothers in Hollywood. They're now saying, actually, we're cancelling that overall deal. So we're no longer going to pay those people, which puts people like Greg Belanti into a difficult position of either saying, okay, well, I'm either going to have to lay people off or furlough them in some way or fund it all out of my own pocket. And again, they're using it as an excuse partly because they're trying to save money. And they're also, I think, using it as a tactic to try and 
take a bunch of these people who are, you know, I mean, Greg Berlanti, JJ Abrams, Mindy Kaling, they're all writers, to try and get a bunch of high-level writers, exec producers, and people that run those production companies to publicly lay into the guild, which I think is a stupid tactic because I don't think they're actually going to do that because it would be career suicide for them if they then start laying into the guild themselves. So I don't know what the contract actually says. I don't know whether if you're suspending this deal and when the strike ends, it automatically comes back in or whether they would have to renegotiate that. I don't know, but that's an interesting position that they've put themselves in. The upshot of that is Greg Belanti Productions set aside half a million dollars as a strike relief fund for support staff that work on his productions and basically anybody that works on their projects. On top of that, he's also given $150,000 to the Entertainment Community Fund, which is an organization which helps everybody involved in the entertainment community while people are on strike. Ryan Murphy has also done something similar. He's put half a million up to fund people who have worked on basically any of his projects. If you're below the line people that have worked, so hairdressers to runners to camera operators to all those sort of people, if they're struggling and working on that, you can go onto the Ryan Murphy Productions website and fill out the form, say where you worked and what you worked on for Ryan Murphy Productions and how much you need, and they will help you out. That one's particularly good, and I don't mean this in like a jokey sort of way, but Ryan Murphy, the amount of shows that includes is actually quite a few. And the Greg, did you say Greg Bologna as well? Yeah, I mean, um, Bel- that's, that's quite a few different shows, so that's actually quite good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both of those are prolific people because, I mean, with Murphy, you're yeah, talking yeah. about all the various Netflix shows from Hollywood and all that sort of stuff to all the American horrors and even Glee and all that sort of stuff. With Belanti, you're mm. talking about everything from Riverdale to which I know is a bunch of CW stuff yeah, yeah. all the CW stuff and a bunch of other shows as well so both of those have got a lot of shows that they cover and the fact that they're putting up like half a million each to support their people these I think shows how much of a misstep it is to suspend that overall deal mm. for the studios but that's what they're doing One of the offshoots of this, as we mentioned before, is none of the actors are allowed to do promotions for anything. And there was an article saying there's apparently a bit of a panic around the Graham Norton show, which is is due to come back. I don't know exactly when, but it's it's usually later on, either this month or next month. They had obviously a wish list of guests of your sort of high level A-list actors Mm -hmm. and stuff. And of course, none of them will break the strike. So they're kind of struggling for getting people onto the show because you're not going to get, I mean, even your Tom Cruises and those sort of people, they're not going to break strike rules and go and try and promote something. Even sort of some of the people that are equity actors, I think will be thinking twice about it because whilst they can go on and promote things which aren't SAG-related struck productions. So for example, if you're an actor on House of the Dragon, you could technically go on the show and promote it because it's filmed under equity rather than under SAG, I think. Mm -hmm. But it's not a great look and you may get some criticism for actually going on and promoting stuff, particularly if you're the level of actor that works across equity and some SAG productions. And it may also get you in trouble with SAG if you ever do want to work under their rules. So it's a very difficult line for them to, to cross. It's one thing doing and turning up and doing things like Comic Cons, where it is a very select group, but going on a, a chat show on the UK's largest national broadcaster, 
that's a different kind of level. And I think there will be a number of people that will be hesitant to do that, regardless of whether they are actually under SAG rules or not. That's going to be interesting. I mean, with ITV, they actually suspended the Jonathan Ross show until next year, because that would usually be coming back later this year. But they've taken the point that actually with the strike still going on, it's going to be too complicated to do. So they've actually punted that show until next year. Whether that happens with Graham Norton, we don't know. But uh, at the moment, they are still planning on doing it by the sounds of it, but they're not sure what guests they're going to get. Mm, yeah. I mean, the other option is, of course, you, you could put musical artists on there. You could technically have actors on as long as they don't talk about their projects and promote things, which might be quite fun as well. But I don't know. We'll see how they navigate that and whether it does actually come back. One main news story that we had out was a new show, which sounds interesting. It's been picked up by Sky. It's called Small Town Big Story. And it's a dramatic comedy. It's created and directed by Chris O'Dowd, who I mean, you'll know from many, many, many different things because he is an actor as well. Most recently fronting the Big Door Prize. But uh, this is something which is his. He's created and directed this. It's about a Hollywood production rolling into a small town. It stars Christina Hendricks, who you all know from things like Mad Men and Good Girls, and Paddy Constantine, who, of course, most recently been in House of the Dragon. They're going to be the two leads. It's a six-part series about a fictional town, which is a rural village of rattling misfits on the border of Ireland and another world, and what happens when a Hollywood production rolls into town, throwing the spotlight on a secret that's been kept hidden since the eve of the millennium. So that's what it's about. It stars Hendrix as Wendy Patterson, a local girl done good, as a hotshot television producer who returns to her hometown from LA with a Hollywood production in tow. Constantine stars as a local doctor and pillar of the community. There's some other great names in there as well. Eileen Walsh from Catastrophe is in there. Liam Murphy, David Arawi, Patrick Martins, David Wilmar, Andrew Bennett, Ruth McCabe. There's some good people involved in it. This is an equity production and it's filmed in the UK and Ireland, or filmed in Ireland, I think actually, but under Sky and Equity. All the cast agreements are compliant with the SAGAFRA rules, it also says as well, and were contracted pre-strike, which is why they're managing to announce it now, because right. I mean, whilst the strike is on, you can't sign anybody. I think this sounds like it could be quite good. I mean, Chris O'Dowd, he has made a show before he did Moon Boy, was the other thing, which he was actually entirely his, which went down really, really well. But Chris O'Dowd, I don't know whether he's actually playing anything in it, but given he's like directing it, probably Probably not. And uh, Christina Hendricks and Paddy Constantine, both great actors. And I like the idea of like a Hollywood production strolling into like this small, because I mean, that's basically what happens with Game of Thrones, I guess. I mean, Mm. that's all shot in Ireland. So, or a lot of it is, not all of it, but a lot of it. So uh, I think this is kind of an interesting idea for a TV show. Could be quite good fun, but it's called Small Town Big Story. Yeah, lots of good names attached to this. Like I said, Paddy and uh, Christina attached to this, which I don't think I've seen them do a bad performance in anything, which is great. Obviously, he was fantastic in House of the Dragon and uh, she was good in you know Good Girls and the part that I'd seen of Mad Men until Netflix took it off. But, uh, <laughs> but she was very good in that. Chris O'Dowd never fails with his, his talent and everything. It'll be good if he does pop up in this because I, I like seeing him on screen obviously but yeah i trust him to to do this as well so that feels like something that fits on sky as well so uh, i think that will be quite good yeah it should be quite good mad men by the way if you do want to go and watch it it's over on prime now it's that's where it jumped to okay so i think i got to season one episode seven i was enjoying it a fair bit i was watching it kind of slowly but it's uh it's not something you want to binge necessarily i can't Um, remember where i got to on it i may have watched the 
first season and then just didn't pick it back up again and I kind of should have done but mm. yeah uh, but yes yeah. it's on Prime If you all seven seasons are on Prime if you want to go and check Mad Men out that was on AMC wasn't it yes I think yeah. it's an AMC show yeah yeah that's small town big story don't know when that's going to film whether it will have to wait until the strike ends or what I'm not sure but uh, they have announced it anyway so it's coming that's all the stuff we've got for you this week just some highlights for next week on TV <laughs> So, highlights for next week. We have Domino Season 2. That's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 13th of September. There's another one that I started and then didn't kind of finish. It's about power struggles of ancient Rome from the perspective of the, the women around at the time. I don't believe I've ever heard of that before. Um, yeah, it was. I think it's an epic MGM Plus, as it is now, series huh. in the US. But um, I think it was a Sky original co-production thing. But um, Domino, that's called. Uh, season 1 is up to binge on Sky On Demand and now and season two is out on the 13th of September. Also, the 13th of September, you've got the morning show back for its third season, which I'm very much looking forward to. Welcome to Wrexham is also back on the 13th. That's on Disney Plus, uh, morning show on Apple TV. Welcome to Wrexham season two, 13th of September on Disney Plus. Again, looking forward to that a lot. Mm. Um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is back for its 16th season. That's on the uh, 15th of September. So uh, Rob McKellany pulling double duty there. <laughs> Wilderness, which is a new series starring Jenna Coleman and Oliver Jackson Cohen. It's about a couple and uh, she finds out her husband is having an affair or had an affair and they're sort of going on this road trip and she seemingly uses it as potentially an opportunity to get revenge that's called wilderness season one of that on prime video on the 15th of september i think it's based on a novel and uh, Fantasy Island season two and the second and last season because it got cancelled but uh, if you liked oh. the first season of that but Fantasy Island season two that's coming to Skymax on the 18th of September at 9pm you can catch that so uh, that's all the stuff coming this week definitely some things to watch out for I think mm. so if people want to find more of you where can they find you if you would like to do that you can find me over on entertainmenttalk.org or your favourite podcast platforms on the same name for TV games films main night podcasts uh, we're still going through Breaking Bad uh, uh, we're getting towards that one particular episode and towards the end of season three. Gaming Talk was back this week. Talked about some stuff over there. Obviously, Starfield's a big thing at the moment. Uh, a few film reviews recently, things like that. Uh, did a couple of other podcasts. A uh, May United are back. Things are going okay. Very eventful behind the scenes. I did like <laughs> a separate podcast about updates on a lot of different players. There's, just, there's a lot of things going on at the moment. So uh, there's all that. And uh, yeah, some other bits and bobs of podcasts and things as well. So check that out over there. You can find me occasionally on Twitch, eTalkUK, and there's also some stuff over on YouTube, which is uh, Entertainment Talk Place. Yeah, so go and check Matt out over on entertainmenttalk.org. For other people involved in the show, you can go and find Bex on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes. That's B-Y-T-E-S. She is streaming every week over there. She's back from Germany and Gamescon now, so I think she's back to regular streaming. You can go find her on Twitch channel. Lots of fun over there. And uh, Daryl at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series that you love, which are shot in Canada. For us, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. You can leave a message on the website post, find us at x Twitter at geektown, on uh, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, on Blue Sky at geektown, on Instagram at geektown UK, on TikTok at geektown UK, and on threads at geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye.
Thank you.